Welcome to the In All Jest podcast. I'm Daryl, your host, and each week I take you on a hero's journey. I leave my safe, normal world and face many obstacles on my quest to publish not just one, but six epic fantasy novels. I hope you'll come along for the ride. You can find out more information at kingdarrell.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, this is episode 20, recorded on March the 5th, 2021. And the big question in everyone's minds is, did I meet my deadline? Since last time. And so did I meet my deadline? Does anyone owe me chocolate? No, they don't. First off, I didn't even get to record an in-between episode last week. I'm sorry about that, but it was a crazy week and my focus was pretty much on trying to get the first draft finished. So where did I end up? Well, I wrote 26,449 words, which was okay over the last two weeks. It was a net gain of only 21,778, which means in theory that I only have 12,035 words left. However, I do not think the story will be done exactly at 200,000 words. And frankly, it's anyone's guess how many more words I will need to write. I could knock over 12,000 words in the next two or three days easily. But right now it's more about getting back to my consistent 1,800 to 2,300 words a day and just do it and finish the story as it finishes. I would like to think the next five to 10 days will be enough. I'm going to keep trying to work on that, but we will have to wait and see. Where is the story at? I'm completely in the final act of the book, the ending payoff, the resolutions. That's where I'm at. Bringing all of the story parts to a close or those that are going to completely close out in this book or the resolutions or partial resolutions for some of the story threads. Being a long form series in multiple volumes, there are continuing threads in some instances, of course, and not everything closes out, but the things that need to close out, I'm working through getting those done. There's a lot of them to work on. Lots of plot threads that are happening, lots of situations that are going on that I have to work with. I'm also having to work with a number of the older chapters. I did mention in the last episode that at the end of the book, I had a number of older chapters. They really slow me down. I've mentioned that before. Next time around, I won't have that situation. The rework changes the way I have to do things in my brain, and I prefer not to be doing it, but they do exist and they have a reason for existing, and I'm rewriting them around that, but it means my gains after writing 3,000 words might be 300 words, which can be pretty frustrating. There was an interesting resolution in something that happened Something that I worked through in the last fortnight, which was enjoyable, was I needed to continue something that was happening in this book. I needed a way to make it fit into all the timelines. And inadvertently, it turned out that something I had written in book one matched up perfectly with this and allowed for this to happen. I would love to say that I completely planned that when I did book one. That wasn't the case. The thing that I am talking about stood 
on its own in book one perfectly and the beginning of book two just worked it was what it was however the situations that's come up now at the end of the book for a character needing to do something there needed to be an avenue to achieve that and it all tied up really nicely and i really enjoyed that i would like to think i had done it totally planned but i didn't it does feel though when it fits together nicely like that that the story is progressing naturally and it's almost like things weren't contrived and that they naturally came together because that was a good conclusion of things and it was just a natural way to use it rather than oh how can i twist this event to work that way i was working out what would need to happen how long it would take and i had a how question how will that work out and it went oh it'll work out by following this path so i'm very happy with that there's been a number of things continuing on that I'm learning about the problems and the good things about what I'm doing in this book, which will set me up for book three. I'm pretty happy about what that will look like. I'm excited for when I do get there that I'll have a new process again to continue uh, writing in a better format. There is a bit of stress I'm carrying around because I didn't meet my deadline. I do like to achieve things when I say I'm going to do them. I am a little bit bothered that I didn't. It took a couple of days to get past that. Now I'm just trying to focus on finishing, but it's disappointing. Ultimately though, it's about getting the story right, not just meeting a deadline. So as long as I don't let it drag out, it's just the way it is. And I can only do it one bite at a time. I did mention uh, that I'm you know, trying to bring all these threads together and I'm going through some issues with that i'm just having to line things up and it is complex and i mentioned it before so i can imagine in the future by the way i'm going to outline things that i'll have less issues with that because i'll be working sequentially and i think that's an important part for it at the moment i don't necessarily write sequentially i do things in chunks based around how the writing's going Whereas with the outline and writing from beginning to end, following the outline, albeit there might be a little bit of movement in there and the story will still evolve, I feel like I won't have these particular obstacles or delays in the way that I'm addressing things. And right now, as I try to bring all the threads together, I'm crossing over and double checking and having to go back. Whereas if I do that in the outlining phase and I know exactly what's crossing over, when I sit down to write, I think that'll work out really well. There's a death coming. It's part of the story. I know about it, but I have been procrastinating around it. I think I know why. Uh, there might be other reasons. I do think it's part of the sequencing issue that I just mentioned, and that because a couple of other situations haven't quite caught up to where that is, I don't want to finish that off because there's going to be a crossing over of timelines and things that will bear into that. So now I'm trying to bring everything into sequence and work through from a point in the timeline down and i know where this particular death is going to occur and who's involved but i believe i just need to get that right but it is being procrastinated on maybe it's because of who and what it is and how it's happening but i'll have to learn about that when i get there and with all these threads i do have one small concern that maybe i've completely missed something that's hanging around from early in the book in my notes and I just haven't 
brought it through. At this point in the story, that's going to be something I pick up in my editing cycle. So there's not much I can do about that, really. It should stand out in the editing process, particularly the way I spreadsheet out my first story grid review of it. I'll be able to really identify those quite quickly. So that I'll be able to tick off that concern when I get there. But that is something that's floating around. What comes next? pretty obvious I think I've got to finish the story so just getting it completed in a way that I'm happy with I don't expect it to be 100% perfect it is a first draft but I need to make sure that I'm not just rushing through it I need to get it done just work through finish those scenes and chapters that I need doing take a couple of days off and then just get straight into the editing process so over the next few weeks until it is done I will be writing every day and bringing it to a close one bite at a time. Lani. Lani awoke confused. A strange noise brought her back to consciousness. She couldn't see anything directly threatening, and the realization of where she was quickly dawned on her. She wasn't sure if she was more surprised by the setting or the fact that she'd slept until morning. Sunlight was beaming into the cave entrance, and she could see much more than last night. Her recollection of events came back to her clearly. She scanned the cave, seeking out the source of the noise. There was only the dead man's body and no one else. He was exactly where he'd been last night. The memory of him passing returned, and the whole encounter. She knew there was nothing she could have done to save him, but she felt bad nonetheless. The rest of yesterday's memories returned as well, including the whole reason she had ended up out here. Harsop. Lani wrapped her arms around her legs again. Sleep hadn't taken away any of her concerns. While she felt refreshed, a heavy sense of dread hung over her. She wasn't going to succumb to the black mood. Not now. Sliding her back up the wall, she saw the satchel and picked it up as well. Slinging the satchel over her shoulder, Lani squeezed it to check it still held the amulet. That was about as close as she wanted to come to the amulet after what had happened last night. She could still recall how it had taken hold of her thoughts, how she'd felt different, but without any control over it. That was up until the man had thrown the shiny stuff at her. Well, she didn't need to look at it again. A lovely looking jewel like that would fetch her a good swag of money. Then it could take hold of someone else's thoughts for all she cared. Calming herself, she knew that she couldn't stay here. The last thing she needed was to be caught beside a dead body with a bag full of things that didn't belong to her. The people of Barnan and the guards would be bad enough, but whoever the amulet belonged to worried her even more. The man had said they'd come for him because of it. Then they killed him. Would they want to harm her as well? She didn't want to find out, not that she had any idea who they were. She almost wanted to crawl up in a ball at the back of the cave and pretend none of this happened. Like her existence wasn't hard enough now that she had multiple people to worry about. The noise was back. It came from the body. There were flies buzzing around the open wounds, accompanied by several rats starting to poke at the body. She walked toward the body, kicking dirt at them, and the rats scurried back under the wood stacks while the flies scattered up into the air. Olani hadn't seen many dead bodies. They weren't something that made her squeamish. 
She just accepted them for what they were, a body, and stepped over it to see what else of value he might have. Something wasn't quite right about him or his body, and it took her a moment to figure out what it was. His face was gone. She gagged a little bit and jumped back, turning away. She took several breaths while looking out the cave entrance before turning back to him again. As horrific as it was, there was something about it which made her look nonetheless. She couldn't help herself. All that remained of his face was pink and fresh skin, as if it was all new, but there was no blood. It was as if he'd shed his face like a snake does its skin. Lani stepped back from him, trying to work out how that had happened. She'd heard nothing while she slept, and it wasn't as if an animal had attacked him. The corpse didn't concern her, but the sight of his missing face made her shiver. It was not normal, and she couldn't look as she tried to figure out what had happened. She caught sight of a dark object beside his head on the ground. Stepping over his feet and around to where it lay, Lani picked it up. It felt like hard wood, smooth and polished like the fancy furniture some of the rich lords and ladies had. It was hollowed out and she turned it over, nearly dropping it when she saw what it was. The man's face stared back at her, or a replica of his face. The likeness was almost perfect except it was a healthier-looking version of him, not the sick, dying one she had seen last night. It was the most lifelike mask she'd ever seen. The thought of wearing it caused her skin to crawl. The wood-like material was almost weightless and was very shiny. It wasn't like any other type of wood she'd seen before. Worse was the fact that it seemed to have fallen off his face. That made no sense to Lani. How did someone's face fall off? She recalled the strange blue light and the shiny flakes he had used last night, as well as the amulet. It was all some sort of magic. She decided to keep the mask. It too probably had a value, and she stuffed it into the satchel, before kneeling down to see what else he might have on him. Rifling through his pockets, she found nothing at all except in the pocket where he dug out the sparkles. She managed to pull out a small drawstring pouch that appeared to be almost empty. When she poked her finger in, it came out with shiny pieces of sparkly metal that stuck to her finger, despite her trying to fling it away. She wiped it on the wall, and some of it came off, but she quickly gave up worrying about it and put the pouch into the satchel as well. The satchel had enough space in it, so she grabbed his journal and put it in there as well. With a great effort, she was able to twist the silver ring off his left hand, the surface of it had a pressed image of a face on it, the same image that had glowed as he passed away last night. The ring felt strangely warm to her hands, which Lani knew was odd. The dead man was cold as the morning air. She rolled the ring around in her hand and it stayed warm. She looked at the image pressed on the surface, a hat with two points on it, above half of a face mask. The mask on it struck Lani as significant, given what she'd just discovered. Without a stone in it, the ring probably had little value. It was just a silver ring, and the face on it was a little creepy too. She decided to try it on, despite it being too big for her small fingers. It slid easily onto her finger, much too big, and then it shrank without warning. Lani pulled at it, 
but the ring was now nicely molded to the size of her finger and wouldn't budge. She stepped back and shook her hand frantically, but the ring wouldn't move. She tried twisting it and pulling, but it refused to budge. It took her a while to calm herself back down, and she stopped worrying about a ring on her hand and, and gave the body one last check. The last thing she took from his body was a small knife tucked into his boot. Not that it had helped him, she thought. She tucked it into her boot anyway and made her way to the cave opening. Lani paused by the cave entrance, listening to see if anyone else was out there. But all she could hear were some birds and a light wind licking its way through the woods around the cave. The clearing was empty, as was the road that disappeared out through the clear trees back toward Barnan. The path on her right that led up over the cave and the Fender Road was heavily disturbed. That had to be the way he'd gotten to the cave, she thought. As she thought about how much effort that would have taken, she remembered his name, Ashamfa. Much as she wanted to be safely away from the cave, she also wanted to know more about what had happened. He had said he'd killed the others, which meant there were likely bodies. More bodies meant more loot. Maybe they had more of the amulets, she thought. It didn't matter that part of her was warning her to just get away and hide. She knew she had to go and look now. Cautiously, she crept up the path, stooped over, trying to keep herself low. The path ran along the top edge of the cave, rocks on the lower side and the edge of the trees to her left. It was wide enough for a person to walk or even to lead a horse down, although quite steep. As it reached the top, she paused and stepped into the trees, rather than continuing on the open path towards the roadway. She stood still, looking west along the Fender Road. Roads through these woods had been cleared a fair way to each side to help keep travellers safe. Off to the side of the road, a short distance to the west, two clutches of birds were feasting. Lani knew that would be the bodies Ashantha had talked of, and she slowly moved through the tree line towards the birds. Aware she was now exposed to anyone coming along the road, she hurried herself. As she neared the body, she bent and picked up some stones. Hurling several of them at the gathering did little to interrupt the birds from what they were pecking at. She grabbed some slightly larger stones, and this time they connected with one of the vultures. The birds screeched at her and launched into the air, the other birds following suit. She walked closer, shouting at them to help keep them away when she noticed a sword on the ground. Lani picked it up, waving it in front of her, helping to clear them all away. The unhappy birds had flown to the nearest trees and were seemingly fighting amongst themselves. They'd be back soon enough, she knew. This was too good a feast for them to leave for long. Lani counted a total of seven bodies strewn over a small distance, which the birds had begun on. Three of them looked noticeably different to the others. All three were dressed in the same dark black clothing, close-fitting, silky tunics and tights, a black belt at their waist, and hoods that extended from their tunics. There was something odd about the clothing. When she looked directly at it, the light seemed to react in a way that made the clothing seem almost fuzzy. It hurt her eyes to stare at it. They all looked fit and, and like they knew how to fight. She knew that if Ashantha had been alone, it would have been unlikely he would have survived as long as he had. Shaking herself to get moving, she inspected the bodies. She tried to ignore the skin where the birds had been pecking and the missing eye on one of them. 
The tunics held double fold pockets in the lower back that took some handling to get into. Each man had a small coin pouch, but nothing else. She took them all. As she gathered the pouch from the third man, Lining saw a ring on his right hand, an orange stone set in a muted silver. The ring was difficult to look at, her mind repelled by it. Dislike it or not, she knew it was worth something, so she cut off some of the black tunic and used it to remove the ring from his hand. As she turned his arm and pulled it off, she saw a strange tattooed mark on the underside of his wrist. She held it in front of her for a moment. It was as if she should recognize it, but couldn't think where from. Checking the other two, she found they also had the same ring and the same tattoo. The rings would all be sellable somewhere, and she wasn't leaving behind anything she could make some coin from, no matter how horrible they made her feel. When she checked the other four bodies, she saw familiar faces from the city. Only one of them did she know much about, but they were all from Barnum. Lani looked at the man she'd known as Mr. Rallings and felt sad, although she didn't know why. He'd never done anything for her. It felt different to go through these men's belongings, but she did it nonetheless. They had nothing of value on them. If Lani had to guess, they were most likely out hunting when they came across the men in black. Things hadn't worked out well for any of them. A distant neigh caught her attention, and she looked up with a start, expecting to see someone riding towards her. Further along the road, several horses were eating at the grass up near the tree line. They would look after themselves, she knew, either making their way back to town or someone would come across them. Thankful that no one had shown up while she looted these bodies, Lani dropped the sword and headed to the tree line to the south. As she slipped further into the woods, she allowed herself a small smile. If nothing else, she had found herself a healthy, small collection of coins and some jewels she could sell. As bad as yesterday had been, there was a silver lining to it after all. All she'd have to figure out now was how to handle Harsop and where she could offload these things without anyone pointing the finger at her. Thanks for listening to this chapter of the In All Jest podcast. For the show notes and more about this podcast, visit kingdarrell.com forward slash podcast. You can contact me through that site and find me on Twitter at IReckon. If you enjoy the show, please tell others, share my posts, and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Till next time.